The industrial sector is open for business again. That's the message as the sale of four Aldi distribution centres in Australia for $648 million marks the largest industrial transaction of the year. The portfolio was acquired by a joint venture between Charter Hall and the insurance giant Allianz, with experts citing significant appetite for high-quality warehouses, bolstered undoubtedly by phenomenally high supermarket spending during COVID-19 lockdowns and the need for defensive real estate. In this episode, Tony Iliano, Head of Industrial Capital Markets and Logistics at JLL, and Jamie Guerra, Head of Industrial and Logistics in Australia for JLL, provide the lowdown on a sector picking right up again on this side of the crisis. I'm Rebecca Kenton. This is JLL's Perspectives Podcast. Jamie Guerra and Tony Iliano from JLL's industrial team. Hello and welcome to this podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Beck. Good to be Thanks here. Rebecca. Tony, I'll start with you. Uh, where are we at now? Industrials come through the, the, the global crisis really well. Where are we at now? We're a status quo, uh, Beck, with um, uh, you know capital for, for core product. Um, so what we're seeing is significant amount of liquidity, you know, sub $200 million for defensive bankable type covenants with long lease tails. So we don't see anything's changed. In fact, in, in some instances, we're, we're seeing that yields are actually getting stronger. So, um, you know, we're about to transact a, a number of deals which will kind of reset and give the market significant confidence. But but from our perspective, it's, it's all systems go. Um, there's significant capital uh, back open for business and, and in transaction mode. Um, you know, pre-COVID, there was estimated $30 billion worth of capital that wanted industrial logistics, and, and we don't see that changing in the foreseeable future. In fact, we actually think it's going to get stronger. What are some of the, and Jamie, maybe this is a, a question for you, what are some of the sectors that are really driving the demand for warehouses? Yeah, look, I guess following on from Tony's point, so the investment confidence comes from occupiers and, and the demand factors in terms of ability to pay rent and, you know, where expansion's coming. And what we've seen over the last four to six weeks is a return to some confidence in the marketplace. Um, you know, inspection levels are up. We're, we're seeing demand now flow through and, and particularly those sectors that have, um, have been benefited from circumstances. So, you know, the e-commerce sector, has had a, um, a fast track. Um, we've seen we've seen strong growth uh, across all markets, and you know Australian Post is one that's um, that's actively been taking space. Um, the grocery and uh, non-discretionary sector has also been very strong, and I think what we're now seeing is some return to a, a more normalised market. But it's led to some behavioural changes and some increased demand as a result of circumstances. Now, whether that's the way that shoppers are, are dealing with online and, and that increased demand, but equally some of the supply chain risks and how um, suppliers are wanting to have greater, greater certainty, so greater holdings of stock, which is leading to increased demand as well. And so investors, Tony, are presumably looking very carefully at where the demand is and what it is for. Is it the fully automated kind? Is it cold storage? Yeah, look, that's a good question. I think um, uh, there, there's a number of uh, different categories. So you've got the cold storage sector, 
which is obviously food related, which will continue to go and go to strength for strength. Um, you know that that sector, there's no vacancy across the country, um, and demand continues to be pretty strong um, with with cold storage facilities. Um, you've got then uh, automation type setups where you've only got the big boys that are able to invest in those types of facilities from an infrastructure point of view, but they're always highly sought after. And then you've got your, you know, last mile, <clears throat> smaller infill locations, uh, which typically speaking have got higher underlying land values. But, but all in all, what we're seeing is um, pretty strong and stable capital and demand for um, long inundated income that's 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 bankable because debt is challenging at the moment for for a number of um, for groups so uh, overcoming the debt piece by having a bankable coven, covenant in the current environments fairly important um, but uh, all in all um, what we're seeing is that there is limited opportunities out there that that's currently in the landscape and the demand is actually slowly still filtering back into the system. So uh, a stat which you'll find really interesting, and so will the market, is that by the end of July, what we'll find is about $1.8 billion worth of uh, stabilised product will trade, which will basically put us on par with total volumes for 2019, which ended up at about $4.1 billion. So that just really reinforces... Uh, the activity that's going on behind the scenes and the appetite still for uh, stabilised, long inundated income. Where is the appetite coming from? Give me the profile of the investor. Yeah, so I, the investor uh, universe is really growing exponentially. So what we're seeing is a number of Aussie REITs who have already mandates locked and loaded um, that they're currently acquiring for, um, you know, groups like, you know, uh, Mervac and Exus and Charter Hall, where capital's already in the system. Um, you are starting to see some super funds starting to play um, and, and then sovereign wealth funds and life insurance companies from around the globe. So, uh, and we're actually also getting some input from US at the moment. So uh, the capital is really far and wide, but... Um, but what we are seeing is that these groups now are really significant groups at, from a global sense. Um, and, and Australia is seen as one of the best uh, destinations to invest in, in the world. Um, we are starting to see some challenges uh, where they're seeing opportunities in parts of Europe where yields are blowing out a little bit, which means that may become more attractive. But Australia is, is still probably the number one destination globally. And Beck, maybe if I can add to that, because the, I think what we've seen is um, it's not so much the asset issue, it's been more around the logistics of people and, and some of the restrictions. So as a result of that, what you had is privates and, and quite a lot of liquidity in the private market being active because they didn't have the same restrictions as travel. They could go and transact in their local market and we saw that, that maintain its activity. More recently, where we've seen a comeback in confidence and what Tony's talking about is, you know, mandated money and, and whether an offshore partner, um, uh, an offshore capital partners with a, with a local fund. And so people are now having confidence to actually um, continue down that path. And I think that weight of money is what we're, what we're continuing to see as people get more comfortable with uh, the new way of uh, transacting and how we have to work. Yeah, thank you. And what about the allocation towards um, 
industrial as part of a sort of more diversified portfolio. Are we seeing growing allocations or are we likely to? Yeah, Vic, I, I think that um, as I touched on, I think uh, I can't see the capital slowing down. Um, and, you know, from our recent experiences, you know, in particular with the LD process, uh, we went far and wide around the globe with that process. And, and what we identified is probably an, an, an additional 10 to 15 other groups that weren't in the market previously. So um, the demand will continue to grow. And in fact, I know this is kind of uh, forward thinking, but we're expecting once all this settles down with the current environment, um, uh, that yields will actually compress even further. Um, if you have a look at our current interest rate environment, I mean, that's gonna really impact um, um, in a positive sense you know, the competitive and yield compression that's going to come through the system. Yeah. And look, speaking to investors, I guess, who have um, allocations to, to, to different asset classes, Beck, I, I think the one thing we're seeing is obviously retail is feeling the brunt of it, um, you know, and, and commercial uh, seems to be better placed, but but industrially is seen the one that, uh, that has the most defensive characteristics. So we're seeing groups who have got an allocation and balance are very much relying on their industrial portfolio uh, to deliver returns and, and a greater appetite to probably expose their, their book to more uh, more industrial. What about the markets around Australia? Are we likely to see sort of new or expanded hubs? I think from a, from an activity perspective and where we'll see most of the activity, it'll continue to be on the East Coast and that's both from an occupier demand and from an investor base. Um, you know, the the smaller markets um, are, are more private in their nature. Um, and we've seen particularly some of the bigger investments around DCs and automation, they will occur in the key markets of Sydney and Melbourne and to a lesser degree, Brisbane. And Tony, from a capital perspective, I, I know that's uh, what we've probably seen is where there were groups prepared to look a bit broader. Um, with the current environment, we're probably gonna see greater focus on Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane, I expect. Yeah, look, I, I think the capital for um, uh, significant distribution centres or cold storage facilities in particular that have got embedded infrastructure. I don't think it really matters where it is around the country. Um, there might be a, a slightly softening of yield in, in Perth and, and um, Adelaide, but marginally. Um, so I think because of the severe shortage of, of opportunities that are out there, uh, I don't think it really matters too much. I, I think where this will impact is shorter lease expiry assets or um, or local businesses that haven't got, you know, significant turnover attributed to them where there might be an issue, you know, where, where funding comes into play because that tenant may not be bankable. So they're kind of the challenges that come forward, but that, that also brings opportunity. It's hard to look at some of the um, headlines now around uh, around warehousing um, and, and online demand without coming across automation and robots. And you can see there's a there's a Coles and Ocado agreement now um, to to roll out robots. Gap, I think, is accelerating its program, uh, its automation program as well. How does this impact on what it is that uh, occupiers, in particular, want out of their spaces? Yeah, well, look, I guess um, we've seen some automation up until more recent times. I guess what the current environment uh, has has fast-tracked again is a, 
a reward for the investment in both supply chain and automation. So, you know, automation is quite expensive uh, from the scale we're talking about, but but we're now seeing that uh, that return on investment probably uh, being in more focus. So, you know, things like actual height of building, access configuration are all important when it comes to automation. Um, and the announcements you're referring to with um, Coles and Charter Hall reflect that, you know, significant investment across those both groups um, uh, in major distribution centres. The supply chain or, or the demand of major corporates now um, are really focused on efficiencies and flight to quality, um, you know, and that's kind of how, how best that meets their criteria, um, you know, transport routes and, and all those sorts of, you know, behaviours. I think that's really important. Um, the other thing to consider is, you know, where do they locate these facilities to best enhance, um, you know, in particular if they're in the e-commerce space, how do they get to their customers within a two-hour period? Because that's where it's all going. Uh, I know that, you know, while we've been in lockdown, I'm getting a knock on the door every day from a delivery van um, where my, my, my children are ordering, you know, whether it's um, ear pods and, or whatever it might be. So um, the expectation is for very quick turnaround. So I think groups will use this time to actually reassess what they're actually trying to undertake in, in locations and, and technology to, to, to try and increase their, their efficiencies um, and output. So... Yeah, I think Beck, what what's going to happen is is some of the um, the last mile delivery and even the dark store um, options being talked about have been now fast track with um, the behavioural online behaviours of consumers. So you know that that applies to now all markets uh, where we're we're seeing investors and occupiers looking for inner suburban locations that allow them to service uh, their consumer base. Uh, in a you know in a acceptable turnaround time, so I think I think as Tony mentioned, what we've seen with the spending patterns and and what's happened is a fast track of some of that investment. And just one final question: there is some government economic stimulus packages, and the government's talking about fast tracking construction. Is that something that the shed sector um, will rely on necessarily? Will we be looking for those sort of um, economic? stimuli yeah look i think from from an industrial perspective you know it is very reliant on um, investment in infrastructure and if you look at the you know the roads and the ports um and some of the challenges around sydney particularly at the moment um you know that's where i guess melbourne's got a bit of an advantage you know we talked last time in our podcast back around um the impact that uh that that had on um, supply chain with a relaxation of transport hours so, you know, I think transport routes, efficiencies, Tony mentioned uh, corporations and, and occupiers looking for efficiencies. I think that investment is really important. And then the capital and the investment side will uh, will flow as well. Okay, super. Well, Tony Liano and Jamie Guerrero, thank you very much. That's a great snapshot of um, where things are at in the industrial sector. Look forward to great deals ahead. Thanks very Thanks much, Beck. Beck. Appreciate thank it. you. Thanks for listening to JLL's Perspectives podcast. You can read more about that Aldi deal mentioned at the beginning of this show on the Trends and Insights section of JLL's website. And for more podcasts, search JLL's Perspectives podcast on your favourite listening app. And if you like what you hear, please share it with a friend or a colleague. I'm Rebecca Kent.